तो हेलो फ्रेंड्स एंड वेलकम वी आर इन दिस माय मनी टॉक्स पॉडकास्ट वेर इन टुडे वी हैव विथ अस मिस्टर कैलाश कुलकर्णी कैलाश कुलकर्णी इज द सीईओ ऑफ एल एन टी म्यूचुअल फंड ही इज वेल अक्वेंटेड विथ मी वी आर वेरी वेल कनेक्टेड ऑन सोशल मीडिया एंड वी गेट टू मीट अलॉट इन कॉन्फ्रेंसेज वेन एवर एनी कॉन्फ्रेंस ऑन म्यूचुअल फंड और इन्वेस्टमेंट इज हैिंग सो कैलाश वेलकम टू द शो थैंक यू फॉर एक्सेप्टिंग माई इन्वाइट एंड लेट स्टार्ट so i was having a chat with uh, kailash before the show and then he said that he would like to share some money management tips most of us are uh, sitting at home we've been doing some investment over the period of years and they've been kept aside we haven't tracked them so he's found out a system which he has been talking about and kailash why don't you share that thing first with our listeners so well, thanks a lot deepak thanks for inviting me for this uh uh podcast uh, it's a different world we all live in we used to stay connected physically now we are staying connected electronically and yeah. listening to each other's voices and possibly seeing each other on multiple webinars that we all attend yes but uh, at right at the start uh, i sincerely hope that all your followers on social media uh, given that you are so active are uh, staying safe uh, keeping healthy and they and their families uh are following all the necessary good practices that the government has said that we need to do because this is really a crazy world and we need to take all kinds of proper precautions so all of us stay healthy so with that stay healthy stay safe uh i'd like to uh, begin uh, yes uh, uh, you know this has been a time of reflection i think uh, when we look at uh, how we begin or how we used to begin a day earlier the pre covid era uh by the time the day started you suddenly realize you got so busy doing all your routine work and other work that came up your way that suddenly it was already late evening and one of the normal things we all used to say is oh yaar i don't have the time it's just crazy the work is hectic now that we are at home i'm not saying that we are completely idle because we all work from home uh, whether you are a businessman or whether you are uh you know uh, uh even a salaried employee everyone is working at home but one thing for sure is you do get a little time to ponder on what we can do better uh, because this kind of time is something which we had all forgotten in the rat race that we were all in uh a few years ago i had to take the test because i had sprained my leg very badly and uh, uh that was the time i reflected i said yeah do, do i even have you know and sometimes many of these things happen by default it's not that it was a very conscious choice thought out that we should be doing this but i said can i just get together in terms of getting all the financial things that i do in one place so typically what happens is we have two or three bank accounts they are there then we have insurance policy maybe we have company fd we have a ppf we have mutual fund investment we have some real estate we have multiple assets in which we have invested our money uh, some of us buy gold and keep it in the locker uh, there are multiple things we do but one of the things that we don't really do very well is that we don't make a list of those articles in one single comprehensive place and see whether things are updated or not so for example when i did this a few years ago about 4 5 years ago uh, what i realized is that 
in my my own investment and given the fact that i've been here 26 years and i keep talking about you know how we should be more disciplined in our investment in my own investments what i found to my big surprise was uh, that many places the nomination was missing in some places there were different email ids you know I, uh, my previous organization email id was there rather than my personal email id well, as all of you know today everybody is communicating through emails and mobile numbers so this is a good time that while we are sitting at home we should do this hygiene is make a comprehensive list of all our bank accounts all our fixed deposits or our company fixed deposits ppf the apartment that you own or any other property uh, all the mutual fund investments and see whether there is a common email id there is a common phone number updated and ha- have we got a nomination in place for each and everything i think if we get this in place we are doing ourselves a big favor in making our financial life much better for the future so that whoever is advising you on your investments even for them it becomes a big advantage to service you in a far better manner uh, because if you have three four email ids or two three phone numbers over a period of 10 15 20 years it can cause a lot of havoc in terms of what is happening so please take this time and opportunity to get these basic hygiene factors in order uh, which i'm sure will go a very long way in making your financial life much better yeah thank you thank you kailash for sharing this and i'm sure if everybody who's listening to this just sits down in his house and starts making a list starts collating everything he will definitely come across some investments where it is in single some investments are in joint names some investments don't have a nomination and as you clearly said you know different email ids at different times it is very important for everything to be collated in one place has a common email id a probably a common phone number because nowadays everything is otp based right all uh, investments every every asset class is trying to give you digital access everything is otp based you will finally get that otp on that email and that phone number which is registered with them so thank you for sharing these hygiene factors i'm sure as advisors distributors and even as investors all of us think that everything is in order but finally when we open up our files we will get to know that there is quite a few things which haven't been completed so deepak just adding to that you know so between 3 3 and a half 4 years back when i did this and today uh, i once again did this exercise given that we have the time i still found two places where the nomination has been missed out yeah so just imagine we are speaking with a ceo of a mutual fund and i wouldn't call it is a mistake but you know what happens is these are some things which we forget or we decide we will do it later and during the normal normal times when we are busy we are reaching office we are going for our business for our calls these things somehow take a back seat what is happening just now is the planet is healing the planet is correcting all the wrongs which were happening with it it's time that we heal ourselves not only in the health space but also in the wealth space all our investments written down completed collated in one place in one register doesn't make it convenient for ourselves also but 
due to any unfortunate incident, if something happens, your survivors, your nominees, the people who are there for which, for whom you have actually worked, will find it very easily to see to it that all that gets transferred, transmitted to them without any major hassles. So thank you, Kailash, for sharing this. Now, the fact that we have a CEO of a mutual fund, it obviously, uh, you know, leads to asking him the question as to what is happening with the world, one, on a macro level, and how does that affect an investor's investments in different asset classes? So when it is mutual funds, it is obviously debt and equity. What? Just tell us what is happening and what are your views? Sure. So uh, just before I get down into the asset classes, uh, again, you know, something which I want to share with us, because we are talking of a COVID era, which no one has ever seen. Yes. Okay. Uh, Warren Buffett, I think, is the oldest uh, investor uh, who's there today. And if he says that he has never seen something like this, I don't think anybody else has the guts to say that, oh, I know, I have seen it like this. Yeah. So let's first appreciate and understand that this is something which nobody has seen. And hence, if you have not seen it, there is no past data, past track record to say that this is how we will come out of it. Yeah. At best, what we can do is make some good judgment on what is to happen. How do we respond in this situation? And what should our existing portfolios? Uh, should we be making major changes or should we stick, stick to it? So, you know, we have a plan around it. And again, luckily we have the time. So one of the uh, things that we do uh, nowadays is do a lot of phone calls. Phone calls not just with uh, official calls, but also a lot of parents who call up to hear about their health, etc. And one of the best questions that I have started to ask them, and they honestly curse me for that question, <laughs> is that uh, everybody is super worried about COVID, the spread, especially if you're in Bombay or Ahmedabad, you know, which is uh, the hot spots, what they say, or the red zones. Yeah. And when people from these areas call me, I just say that, do you have a family floater health insurance cover? And then there is a pin drop silence. Yeah. So I said, boss, it's not a question because of COVID I'm asking you. I said, don't you think that the medical costs have gone so high that you should be having such covers? And these covers are something that you need to have as a permanent part of life. So again, it's again a very important hygiene factor. And it is a finally an asset class because rather than pull out your savings and investments to uh, take care of some disease that you may have, and I'm not talking of COVID, it could be anything else, please ensure that you have such floater plans and also a large term insurance, which ensures that all your liabilities are covered and post liabilities, you still have enough money left for the family, which takes care of your current lifestyle needs. So I think these two become the basics, again, when we talk about uh, asset classes, and although they are technically not asset classes, they are important products to invest in. Uh, for the long term. Uh, so let's look at uh, COVID-19 and because no one really knows how this is going to play out, uh, one has to really be a little cautious. We have seen the market, that in the equity market, respond in a very different manner because with the kind of panic that has been there, 
the kind of uh, uh, uncertainty which is prevailing, one would expect the markets to be actually at a significantly low level. And although we saw a correction between Jan and March, those were for a little different reasons and not entirely COVID. Obviously, COVID was there towards the March end, where we saw a huge correction of around 25% in the index level itself, Sensex and Nifty. But in one month of April, we saw majority of that correction getting covered. And today, the markets really are going up and down, and volatility has increased significantly. So you can have a two to four percent market upswing and two to four percent market downswing on a single day. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the market is going to react to essentially three things. Number one, what's happening on the global space? As more and more countries pump in more and more money to try and revive economies, you are going to see global markets react to that and Indian markets kind of follow suit. Similarly, in India, what you will also see is that depending on as and when government or RBI announces measures, if the measures are found to be adequate and suitable and the language is saying that we will do more if required, you will see the markets move in the positive direction for that time. And if the overall markets, you know, no, this is just a small bandage when we needed an operation, then you may see a 2 3 4% reduction uh, on that particular day. So clearly, how the governments behave world over and how the government behaves in India is going to be a very important aspect of the volatility to come in the markets. Tomorrow, if somebody announces that, yes, we found the COVID vaccine and we will be able to produce it within X amount of time, or we have found a tablet which will help build immunity, which means that we can start moving around our eyes and companies can open and, you know, production starts, you will start seeing positive impact. However, if the numbers keep increasing at an alarming rate, you will continue to see that the economic revival is going to take longer than expected, you will see. So one of the things that I am pretty confident on is for the next three to six months, you are going to have significantly volatile markets, and we should be prepared for the volatility. I think that is very, very critical from a market perspective. So our investments, if we make them for certain short-term goals, I think that's something you may want to reassess. But if they are really long-term goals like retirement or leaving it for your next generation, like in my case, whatever I invested, honestly, is not for me. It is for my daughter. And uh, to that extent, you know, it's a 15, 20, 25-year kind of uh, uh, investment. So I'm not really bothered about this uh, 5, 10, 15, 20% uh, market being lower. So long as fundamentally, we believe in the India story. So let's look at what IMS has said. IMS has said that we will actually uh, grow at a much lower pace, but at least we will grow in the positive side, whereas most of the countries are going to grow negative on a GDP. So if that is the case, then what we need to do is really need to see uh, money will finally come back to India because world money faces any place which has growth. Yeah. And if India is going to grow, even if it is at 1.2% or 0.8% or 1.8%, and the other countries are going to be negative, 
clearly money will come back to India. So, so long as you have not given up hope on India, which I hopefully the people on this call are savvy and the people who listen to our podcast are savvy, I am pretty confident that the next few years will be very, very good for India in terms of economic revival because we have a very strong domestic consumption story and a very good middle class which will uh, sustain our economy. Second, the government obviously is doing stuff and will continue to do stuff to revise the economy both from an infrastructure perspective and any other sectors which they believe will create jobs. So that's again a positive that I look forward to. And I think we should stay invested in such tough times. Uh, we should not take it out unless and until your goal was very short-term oriented in nature. And if that was the case, then you may want to look at moving some portion of that money into high-quality fixed-income products, whether it is mutual funds or whether it is any other products, but clearly on the high-quality space. So thank you for sharing that. And that reassures a lot of investors that whatever happens with the amount of money that is being printed, finally that money will chase growth. So if most countries are having negative growth rates and in India for whatever reason, even in single digits, even if it is one, one and a half, maybe even two percent, finally growth is there. But that takes me yeah. to another question, which, uh, which I have asked a lot of people and somehow I'm not sure I've ever got the right answer. I'll take that liberty of asking you also. So in the past uh, three or four years, every quarter, every analyst, you know, comes out with a prediction or some sort of a working out saying that going ahead, this is the growth we are expected to achieve. This is the growth that is expected. And every quarter that keeps on getting extended to the next quarter. Okay, it didn't come this quarter. We expect it comes next quarter. Then it will come the next year and the next year. We've been seeing this for the last four or five years. Somehow, even when things were normal, our growth was not there. Now with what is happening now, this complete lockdown, all industries closed, economic activities at a halt, it'll take us a lot of time to recover and even come back to the normal and then talk about growth. Any views on that? So, uh, I have a contrarian view to that. So, I hope I will, you will be okay with my contrarian view. Okay. Okay. I think there are people who are supposed to do this job of analysis and predict and, you know, show certain numbers. And sometimes they are, they don't come out right. Uh, it's lower and sometimes it's higher than what they predict. So you have it both ways. Yes, last three, four years has been a challenge. But let's look at it when they say that earnings growth, and I, I think we're talking about earnings growth, right? Yes, yes. Should come up. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's look at the fact that in the last five years, even if things haven't really worked, because globally there have been serious challenges, you know, uh, domestically not so much, okay? But globally there have been serious challenges in terms of uh, many countries not having the economic growth rate as, as expected. Uh, obviously, it has hurt certain industries that we have. But one of the reasons why we believe that our portfolio, and finally at the end of the day, irrespective of what happens in the 
broader market in terms of earnings, growth, etc. For individual customers, it is what is happening to our portfolio. Correct, correct, okay? correct. And, 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 and this is where expectation setting comes in. Okay? And I think from an expectation setting perspective, uh, one of the charts which I have kind of started to dislike, okay, is when we say that from 1980, when the census began, census has given a growth rate of 14% CAGR. Yes. So when we say of 14, 14.5% CAGR, which is the right data. So I'm not, I'm not challenging the data. It's the right data. But why I don't like this chart is, it is only giving you one side of the picture. Yeah. Uh, when we take this last 30 years, and or whatever, 30 years or more, and we say the Sensex has given 14, 14.5% growth, but the risk-free return, which means the government of India bonds or whatever you had at that point in time, yes. used to be closer to 10, 11, and 9%, depending on which period you invested in. Yes. So Sensex giving a 14, 14.5% return was 50% over your risk-free return. Yes, yes, agree, yeah. Which, which is the right way to look at it. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now that your risk-free return is in the mid-six, between six and seven, you still expect 14% return. I think that is something which is not correct. Yeah. Because your 50% over your risk-free should be what you should expect from a equity portfolio. Yeah. If you achieve that, which means that you are talking of around somewhere between 10 and 11 percent today going forward. And if you get more than 11 percent, suppose let's assume you still get 14 percent. Yeah. You should treat that additional 3 percent more like a bonus and not what belongs to me. Yeah. So we should always look at returns from a risk-free perspective. I think this is the change of narrative we need to know. And when that happens, your earnings growth, even if it is lower than what you had projected at 15 or 12 or whatever you want to say, yeah. I still believe that our investments are giving the kind of return uh, that we expect. So, so the, yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, I'm going to be a little contrary yeah. out here. No, no, I agree with you. I think this is actually a good way of, uh, and the right and the practical way of looking at things uh, how your portfolio is going to perform, not basis past history, but how much it can give you excessive returns, extra returns over the normal risk-free return. So if a government is giving me 6% for the next 20 or even 30 years, and if my portfolio gives me 50% more than that, which is around 9 to maximum 10%, I should really, really be very happy. That's what you're trying to say, right? Absolutely, absolutely. What is the choice you have? The choice you have is you don't want to take any risk. So the only place you can go is to a government of India bond. And if that government of India bond is going to be six and a half percent, then that is the return you are okay with because you don't want to take a risk. And you come to equity for that additional risk and that additional risk is equal to 50% more than your safety. Yeah. Which also means that investors and advisors alike should, you know, temper down their expectations when they are preparing plans. 
and projecting returns for the next 5, 8, 10, 20 years. Whenever you are projecting a return, I think this now needs to get factored in rather than historical pure numbers. I agree with you. Yeah. Only one portion I have out here uh, where, you know, that doesn't mean that you will not get 14% return. Yes. But like I said, you even if you get that, it should be treated more like a bonus for that year rather than taking it as a standard norm. Yeah, yeah. So it's like flying. You know, when you are taking a flight from Mumbai to Delhi, if they tell you it is a two and a half hour flight, but invariably you land in two hours and then they will tell you, see, we were on time and we made it on time and we actually landed a little bit before time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think, yeah. So this is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. So now coming to one more uh, thing which is correlated, which is gold. Because we were talking of asset classes. Yes. Uh, and clearly during panic, during chaos, during times which are stressful, everybody likes to go and invest in gold. And gold is a good investment to have. Uh, you should have 5-10% of your portfolio in gold. Irrespective whether the times are euphoric or the times are as chaotic as they are today. Yeah. So during panic situation and euphoria, you should, still should have five ten percent in gold. Now the question is, Indians are fantastic when it comes to bargaining. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we go and bargain with the vegetable vendors, we go and bargain with the shops, which clearly display a time which is no bargaining allowed. Which yet yet we will tell the shopkeeper. That's very, it comes very natural to yeah, India. Yeah, okay? yeah. But I'm surprised when it comes to gold, we forget this habit. Yeah. So my favorite example is as follows. And I used to do this earlier during the pre-COVID era. I've spoken to some people and told this. But I used to tell them this is a homework. Obviously, you can't do the homework today. Maybe you can do it over the phone but you can't physically go. But I say there are three places you can buy a gold. Number one, your regular goldsmith that you go to, who's your family goldsmith, you go to that shop and buy gold. So you can go there and buy a 50-gram bar or a 10-gram coin or something like that. Yes. And he'll give you a price. You can go to a public sector bank and they'll give you a price. And you go to a private sector bank and he'll also give you a price. Because yes. they also sell gold. Yes. Now, we just walk into the goldsmith, we do a little bit of haggling with him. But when we walk into a bank, we know that there is not going to be haggling. Correct. So we pay whatever the bank asks you and we walk out. Yeah. But there is a fourth way of owning gold. Yeah. And that is called gold ETF. Yes. And believe you me, uh, Deepak, not many people are aware of this. I have seen at times, at times, where a gold ETF, which is actually 99.9995% pure, yes. you are getting a wholesale price of gold at a retail 10 gram level, Yes, can be as cheaper, as much as 7% over the price of what is being sold in the bank or the gold Yes, 7% I am talking about. And yet we go and buy gold without checking these things. Because gold ETF is a physical paper. Yes. And I don't feel the need to hold the gold. <laughs> but it is 7% cheaper. Now just imagine if I tell you that you go to the shop and don't bargain. 
Yeah. It is seven percent cheaper. You give him whatever he wants. Yes. Yes. You will not do it. Yes. You will bargain. Yeah. But for gold, you will not. So I think fundamental change of behavior needs to come in when it comes to gold. So five ten percent, but buy it in the best manner, which is your wholesale price of gold at a retail level. so that is a good uh, good example and a good question and i there are times when i have actually used this and told people that this is a good way of actually buying gold at the right price and you know the first question which often comes and even after giving them an answer i'm always still myself wondering there is an underlying asset in that gold etf which is pure gold right yeah it is being kept somewhere stored somewhere and the assumption is that finally it is a physical gold vault or physical gold which is there in the underlying asset how do i convince yes. my customer that don't worry the gold is there come what may you will always get the price which is quoted on the stock exchange the real gold is there so i think this is clearly said the guidelines okay which is law so today you are not allowed to sell gold etf if you don't have the physical inventory there in the backup in the vault okay this is law so you are not going to a fly by night operator who saying dekho main tumko kagaz wala etf deta hu aur hai mere paas gold hmm. you are going to mutual funds which are highly governed as an organization as an institution and governed by one of the toughest regulators in the world yes today. yes so so not believing that there is gold i think is not the right thing to do if law stipulates that it has to be backed by physically 100% gold i think they have to believe that these are institutions of caliber yeah. and a regulator which is of very high caliber yeah. which will mean that there is physical gold lying in the vault yeah i think this question became more prominent after the nsel fiasco you know where the commodities and all those started getting questioning when people were giving out those contract notes and when finally that thing failed this question became a little more prominent that can't it happen to gold etfs also yeah so because it is audited and i think what you need to do or all the distributors or advisors need to do is actually take that clause out from the seven manual and keep it with you yeah. so that you can show them that this is how it is and it is audited which means that it is on par with your sovereign gold bonds except for the 2.5% payout everything else is the same right absolutely yeah okay absolutely. okay okay one part was that finally coming to what's happening in the debt fund space your views so you know it's so interesting that uh, because of the recent issues that have happened with certain set of funds yeah okay debt itself has become a bad name yes okay yes uh, that is a very unfortunate uh, uh, thing to say because even in debt funds there are multiple types of funds it's not one debt fund is not one type of fund correct in debt you have something called as overnight and liquid category which you know you can keep your money from one day to 15 20 days yeah and take out the money uh, then you got ultra short term uh, kind of category which is essentially for saying that 15 20 day to around 3 months if you want to pass then you got a short term category which is typically from say 3 months to 1 year you want to pass 
Then you got medium term from one year to three years, and then you got duration funds that are three years and above, etc. So you got multiple categories within mutual funds. Again, there there are two types. One historically proven, and historically you can go through the portfolios of certain fund houses uh, where there are schemes. Which only invest in the highest quality paper. Yes. Which means they are invested in HDSP, SPI, some of the public sector undertakings, you know, uh, and very very high quality names, which I don't think you and I need to worry about. Yes. Uh, and those funds do not chase YTN. Yeah. Uh, because that's the next thing that is there that you know, uh, my fund is giving a seven and a half YTN. Somebody else's fund in the same category is giving an eight YTM, mm. so I obviously will go and put my money in a fund which is giving a eight YTM. Yeah. But please understand, if a similar category fund is giving a higher YTM, it means that that fund is investing in something which is giving them higher return. Correct. Obviously, that something which gives higher return means that that person is taking risk. Yeah. So let's just take a simple question. Today we have had certain issues with cooperative banks. Yes. Does that mean that all cooperative banks are bad? Mm. It's not bad. There are some cooperative banks which are very good also. Yeah. Okay. Mm. But if you chose a cooperative bank because your public sector bank was giving you eight percent LP and the cooperative bank was giving you ten percent LP, and then. You said, "Oh, it's me. So, gafla tha ya. It's me. Problem tha. Even lending to people who they should not lend to. Yeah. And the quality of corporates who will go to such people yeah. is because they are not getting money from the best bank. Yes. So obviously, you are increasing your risk. So similarly, in debt funds, when you make risk, so a lot of people invest in." Fixed income or debt fund mm. because they don't want to take risk. Yes, because they are taking risk in equity. Yeah. Now, if that is the case, then credit funds were not to be invested in. Yeah. Because credit funds by nature are meant to be risky. Yes. Let me not put it credit as a category, but any fund which takes credit. Because it is giving a higher return than the average category return, yeah. that means they are doing something which is different, which is likely taking a higher risk by taking a lower rated paper. Yeah. So if if you are if you are uh, understanding what you wanted to invest in debt funds because you did not want to take risk, then you need to stick to only high quality debt funds. Yeah. Or high quality. Company at this, you know. Uh, the reason I'm saying this is it's very important to differentiate this. However, if you say that no, I don't mind taking some inherent risk in this also, then yes, credit funds are always there, or credit-oriented funds are already there. So just because there has been a problem in one category, that does not mean other categories are bad. Uh, the categories will continue to service you on from a post-tax basis, especially if you are in the higher tax bracket. Yeah. I think they are far superior investment products on a post-tax basis than what you can get in a pure fixed deposit in a bank. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that and clarifying that. Before we close, 
there is this trend nowadays where CEOs of mutual funds are actually sharing their portfolios, you know, where their allocation is, how they are invested. If you don't mind, if you would like to share your portfolio, how your portfolio is allocated over various asset classes. Uh, Deepak, this is actually going to come as a little bit of a shock to many, many people when <laughs> I say I'll give the answer. Because I am a genuinely high risk taker in this my personal money. Okay. Okay. So, while majority of my money is in equity, okay? Yeah. I have hardly, I have hardly any money in fixed income. It will be, I mean, to be very honest with you, it will be less than 5% of my portfolio. Okay. Okay. Uh, because, see, like I said in the beginning, the money is not for me. Yes. Okay? Yes. The money is for my next generation. Yeah. So, the, the time period is not of any importance to me. Yes. Uh, if I know that my time period is long, I think equity historically has proven and will prove in future yeah. that they get the best post-tax returns over a period of time. Yes. Okay? Yeah. But I need to be smart about it. Yes. So initially I used to be in some some plans where I invested in dividends. I have now shifted that to growth because yeah. the current tax regime yes. at a high tax bracket is foolish to be in a dividend plan. Yes. Yes. You'd rather be in a growth plan and do an HWP if you want money regularly. Yes. Because from a post tax basis it is the best thing to do. Correct. Correct? So you need to do those tweaks and adjustments. Yeah. But some part of my portfolio is actually into what we call startups. Startups. Oh, wow. Okay, good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that's a little surprise. Yeah. Uh, so, late, uh, for the last four or five years, I have started to invest money in some companies at an early stage, but the risk is like a hundred zero. Oh. Because if you make it, yes. you get 4x, 5x, 10x the money. Yes. But if, if either that or your entire investment is zero. Yes, yes. So I would not advise people to do that unless you are willing to forego that money. Yes. yes. So unless the traditional CEO who is invested only in equity and debt and real estate and gold, uh, I am also into startups. Kailash Kulkarni is also now an angel investor, right? Uh, I'm not an angel investor. Angel investor and multi, multi, multi zeros. <laughs> I'm a small investor who likes to do some analysis and study and invest in small companies, yeah. which I think will do well in the future. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that, Kailash. I'm sure a, pe a lot of people will be surprised, but that also tells us that there are these startups, there are these small, small people with ideas which can actually change our world and it is our duty if we can to support them. Maybe they will so, make it big and we will also make it big along with them. Yeah. Uh, there is one more thing which Deepak, I would like to share on this, okay? Yeah. It is not just about making money or not just about helping people. Yeah. I think what happens is when you hear 20 new ideas. Yes. Yeah. It keeps your brain engaged. Yeah. Okay? And it's so important to keep learning new things, new uh, new initiatives, new ideas, because you don't know which idea may help you in your existing business. Yes. To see it in a different light. Yeah. So I am I am of the very strong opinion that after a certain number of years, you know, we start 
getting clouded because you've been in that same business for a very long time. Yes, yes. So when you when you interact with people having different initiatives, ideas, uh, it helps you tremendously in keeping your mind occupied, and it also helps you in looking forward to the new technologies and new things that are happening which will help you in your existing business for sure. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. So, uh, thank you so much, Kailash, for accepting my invite to be on this show, My Money Talks. You've given a different perspective to the show. Many a times we are talking about what's happening in the markets, where to invest, going ahead. But you've talked about so many small, small hygiene issues, having insurance, you know, health insurance during these times having your investments collated, written down at one place, nominations getting updated, and your portfolio investments, which is slightly different, as you said again. Thank you for sharing this. Thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you taking out time and hope to be talking with you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Deepak. And once again, stay safe, stay healthy, everybody. It's uh, important that we... Uh, inculcate the right habits of wearing masks, using sanitizers and keeping ourselves healthy. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Kailash.